On this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, we look at a few teams that invested in the running back position in this year's draft and consider if we'd rather have the rookie or the veteran. Welcome into today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Here at The Athletic, I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's going on today? Not too much. Glad to be back at it again with you today. Happy to talk news and talk about a few backfields. Yeah, we're going to get into some rookie-laden backfields in a minute. But as always, we have to start with the latest in COVID and the latest uh, news that we have around the league. So first, our COVID update. Opt-out deadline is looking like it will be either Thursday or Friday. Derek and I are recording this on Monday evening, so possible that we already have the answer to that. But uh, if we don't, it is coming likely on Thursday or Friday. Doug Peterson among the latest people who have tested positive for COVID-19. He will be coaching and doing all of his coordinating of the team virtually. For now, Odell Beckham Jr. had some uh, critical comments of the league, and uh, I think you can understand where he is coming from, but he will not opt out. He had previously considered it, but Odell Beckham will be playing for the Cleveland Browns this season. Jawan James, however, opting out for the Denver Broncos. That leaves a massive hole on that team's offensive line. That is an offense that we have been excited about so far this summer. That is going to be a big hole for the team to fill. And then Sean Payton saying the Saints are going to sequester leading up to week one, not in their own homes, but they're going to be uh, keeping themselves in a sort of makeshift bubble of their own over the final few weeks of training camp and leading up to their week one one game this season. will be interesting to see if more teams adopt that after what we have seen with the NBA and the NHL. Good. And the MLB, not so good over the last month or so. One little piece of news to talk about. Jordan Reed has signed with the San Francisco 49ers. We know all about his injury history. Of course, we know that George Kittle is going to be not only the primary tight end, but probably the number one pass catcher for the 49ers. So probably not a lot of uh, movement on the fantasy front just yet, but Jordan Reed, an interesting signing with the San Francisco 49ers. Now let's move on to our main topic for today. We're going to take a look at backfields that have rookie running backs, but also established veterans and try to get a sense or try to just give our two cents on how those backfields are going to shake out. This is an idea that came to me because our coworker Brandon Funston wrote about it. We also have a really good piece from Michael Salfino from about a week and a half ago talking about why the conventional wisdom of avoiding rookies or players in new situations this year because of the non-training camp and non-preseason that we're going to have might not be the actual way to go as intuitive as it is. So we'll link to both those pieces in the show description. Be sure to check them out. We've got six backfields that we want to talk about that have a rookie who is going to be very fantasy relevant. One we will not talk about is the Chiefs because with Damian Williams opting out, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire clearly is in command of that backfield. So we're going to talk about three today and then three on tomorrow's show. We're going to start With the Indianapolis Colts, of course, they took Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin in the second round of this year's draft, but they've got the veteran Marlon Mack, who has been very good for this team over the last couple of years. Jonathan Taylor, clearly the preferred option of the fantasy community from NFFC drafts beginning on July 15th. We've moved up that uh, deadline that we are, at least the start point that we uh, are going to use now that we have progressed a little bit farther into the summer. Going back to that July 15th date, he has an ADP of 33.77. RB19. Marlon Mack 
93.51 on the ADP, RB35. To me, Derek, this feels like a fair spread, and I know that both of our Colts beat writers, Zach Kiefer and Stephen Holder, are saying this is not a situation where Jonathan Taylor is just going to be handed the starting job, let alone run away with it in a way that these ranks or these ADPs would suggest, but it still feels like an appropriate spread to me. I'm not sure, however, if I can pay that price for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I, mean, I think it is a fair indicator of the difference in talent between the two backs, which is really more praise for Jonathan Taylor than a dig at Marlon Mack. I think Marlon Mack's a nice enough player, and certainly as he showed last year, if given a backfield workload primarily to himself, like he can do pretty well with that. Naheem Hines was there to catch passes a year ago, and I think that's one of the things I would look at with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we've talked about pass protection for rookies, how important that is. I think Jonathan Taylor is a smart player. He's going to be able to figure that aspect of protections out. It's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time, reading situations on the fly, uh, not having a, a steep learning curve. That's the question. Like, how quickly does he adapt? He will adapt. I'm, I'm not doubting that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a guy who narrowly missed three consecutive 2,000-yard seasons at Wisconsin. You know, he was just uh, an amazing back throughout his time there running behind great offensive lines, but he'll get to run behind another great offensive line in Indianapolis. And he did show like he can be a competent pass catcher too. Like That wasn't something he was really asked to do in his first two seasons at Wisconsin, but he did add that to the mix during his third and final year with the Badgers. So I think he will eventually be a three-down back, but I think this one kind of pushes back against the Salfino arguments, mostly in that I think it will take rookies just a little bit of time to get comfortable with those pass protection schemes. Some are going to do it faster than others. And even with a quick learning curve, you're talking about a guy who often goes in the second round of drafts. Can you wait a few weeks for Jonathan Taylor to become the complete lead back that we all think he's going to be? And I feel like that's just a little bit too much risk to take on at that price, even though I like the player a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. I do think this could be a Miles Sanders 2019 redux where by the second half of the season, it was clear that Sanders was the guy. And of course, he was aided by a Jordan Howard injury, but still, he was slowly but surely taking more and more of that backfield share, and then he exploded in the second half. I think we could see something similar for the Colts this season. I think the the talent level, there's no question about who's the better player. Jonathan Taylor uh, really does it all for a running back, has sprinter speed. Uh, if he gets beyond that second level, he's basically gone because you're just not going to catch up to him. And as you said, proved himself a capable pass catcher, and I think that's a skill that's only going to grow for him in the NFL. And while I can't get all the way to the price, because I don't think Marlon Mack is going away, and it could be a situation where you're maybe unable to trust Jonathan Taylor as a regular fantasy starter for the first few weeks of the season, if you told me that I have to have one of these guys at ADP, I have to use uh, the 33rd or so overall pick on Jonathan Taylor, we'll just say my third round pick, I have to use the 93rd or so overall pick on Marlon Mack, even though that is a big gap I still feel like if I have to have one, I'd rather have Taylor because I think this could be the sort of second-half superstar that drives fantasy teams. Where would you be on that? Yeah, I have had the opportunity to take Mac in that round eight, round nine range in a few early drafts, and every single time it's come up, I've just talked myself into somebody else. So Mm -hmm. I think that would probably mean that I would choose Taylor if I had to pick one because I do think that Miles Sanders arc is a very reasonable sort of rookie year arc. And if you have other ways of getting around it to begin the season, if you have good depth, you can do well those first three to five games while Taylor might be kind of stuck in a timeshare or even on the the smaller side of a committee, 
you know, you could reap the benefits and kind of find your stride with him at just the right time ahead of the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, bottom line is that fantasy championships are won on the backs of superstars, and depth is great to have in the middle of the season when we're dealing with bye weeks, but no one ever really won a fantasy championship based on depth, and if one of these guys is going to be a true superstar fantasy player, no offense to Marlon Mack because he has been a very good fantasy player the last few years, Jonathan Taylor, though, has that superstar upside. So that's why I lean in his direction, no matter what we've heard coming out of Indy so far this summer. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams. We've got Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Cam Akers, another high draft pick this past year. He comes in at 53.61 in ADP since July 20 or July 15th. He is the RB25. Daryl Henderson, way down draft boards, 133.57, the RB50. Now, if you just go back one year, Derek, every Everyone in the fantasy community was falling all over themselves to get Daryl Henderson. Obviously, things did not go so well for him with the Rams last season, at least in terms of being a meaningful fantasy contributor. But I look at this, and I just I can't figure it out. I can't figure out why, why uh, Cam Akers is as highly drafted as he is. He's ahead of some guys that we're going to talk about uh, on tomorrow's show. I just don't get this. This assumes, this assumes that Cam Akers not only is clearly the number one back for the Rams, but that he's going to be on a sort of 80-20 touch share in that backfield. And you still have Malcolm Brown there. Now, I don't think Malcolm Brown is a huge threat from a fantasy perspective, but they're not going to totally zero him out of the offense either. I think there is just as good a chance that Daryl Henderson is the lead guy in LA, let alone just earning himself even 35 or 40 percent of the backfield touches. And if that's the case, if we're talking about capping Cam Akers' touch share from the Rams' backfield at 60 or even 65 percent, there is no way he can come close to justifying this price tag. I am staying far away from Cam Akers. I think what really happens in LA post-Todd Gurley, the real winners here, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. I just think we're going to see a lot more volume for the passing game, and I think this Cam Akers price is nutso. Where are you on this? Yeah, I think there is uh, kind of a overlooking of Henderson that's happening right now, yes. and the price is very low. I don't have a great read on how quickly Cam Akers is going to get up to speed. I have less confidence that he will pick up all the protections and things necessary to be on the field and passing down situations right away because, you know, similar to Jonathan Taylor, he didn't catch a ton of passes his first two years at Florida State. That kind of ticked up his third year. So you have to look at that situation and wonder, okay, is this going to take four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks? Uh, that's where a guy like Malcolm Brown could randomly play more than we expect. He just has more experience in McVay's system, so I think that's worth considering. And I just think back to how much everybody liked Henderson a year ago. Like, is that just gone right now? Right. I mean, I, I, I think he's the same guy that he was a year ago. So the gap between these two players doesn't make sense. Maybe we'll get some comments from Sean McVay between now and week one that give us a little more confidence about how Cam Akers is going to be used. I look at the production at Florida State. Obviously, the third year was by far the best we saw. Uh, the production prior to that was okay, not great. I mean, a sophomore year, 4.4 yards per carry, limited involvement in the passing game. And I realize in college, sometimes you're uh, the victim of a poor offense around you, too. That could have easily been the case in 2018. But I'm right there with you. I just don't see enough there to justify a pick right around that pick 50 overall mark where Cam Akers often goes. I like just about all the other running backs in that tier more, uh, especially like DeAndre Swift is his ADP yes. neighbor. I will choose DeAndre Swift over Cam Akers if the price is equal 10 times out of 10. 
without question. We'll talk about DeAndre Swift and the Lions' backfield on tomorrow's show, but I am in 100% agreement with you there, and I think we have to assume that we're in agreement that if you're taking one of Akers or Henderson at ADP, obviously we're both on Henderson here, right? Yeah, no question. I I think this is an offense that you want to take some chances with, and getting a discounted back who could emerge to have a, a much larger share of the role than expected is absolutely a flyer we're taking. Now, I would be drafting him with the expectation that he's on the big side of a timeshare. I don't think Cam Akers is going to be a ghost in the offense or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I just think for a possible committee situation, this price gap does not make any sense at all to me. Yeah, potential huge payoff on Daryl Henderson, who frankly had better college numbers too than Cam Akers. And it's not, you know, we're talking about the ACC, not the SEC, not the Big Ten that Cam Akers is coming out of. We're talking about an ACC running back that is not nearly uh, as wide a gap in competition as it might seem from American Conference football, where Daryl Henderson played at Memphis. One more backfield we're going to get into here. This one is in Tampa. This is one of the few where the uh, the veteran has a higher ADP than the rookie. We've got Ronald Jones checking in at 67.67 overall, running back 30. Not too far behind is where we find Keyshawn Vaughn, 94.95, the RB36. This one is one of the harder ones to peg for me. Of course, we also have LaShawn McCoy in the mix now. I think we can still keep him as a complimentary player. We saw what LaShawn McCoy still has to offer or what he still doesn't have to offer at this stage of his career last season in Kansas City. So we're still looking at the two of Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn as the primary guys. To me, you know, the, the first one, Colts, Jonathan Taylor, I clearly want him more. The second one, Rams, Daryl Henderson, I clearly want him more. To me, this one might be a little bit more of a stay away. I, If I'm going to get invested in Tampa, I feel like I would rather do it through the air than on the ground. I do think, though, that this is an appropriate spread. I think that Ronald Jones is going to have first crack at not only winning this job, but at making it a bigger gap than it seems like it'll be in week one. Yeah, and I think with Ronald Jones, there have been some interesting hype videos, uh, I think on Twitter and Instagram, as he's really tried to do everything in his power to be more prepared to be the starter all season. And this could easily be a committee. It's an offense. There's just too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too mm-hmm. many too many players here who can do damage and only one ball. And that's that's part of the problem. And I think it's a backfield that I don't like all that much because it doesn't doesn't seem any more clear than some of the backfields we saw the last couple of years in New England, right? Where you had you know, Sony Michelle and, and James White's like pass catching role was kind of the, the one clear thing, but week to week you didn't really know how the distribution of carries was going to go and, and how game flow was going to impact the running game. Right. I think this is a Tampa Bay team that might just throw it 40 times every single week. And there might be some weeks where carries dry up and they get split evenly and you're frustrated regardless which side of this one you're on. So like you, I don't have a, a strong pull on this one. I've been getting Ronald Jones a little bit in early drafts. So I guess if you maybe pick one at ADP, he's the guy. And I think it comes back to familiarity with the offense and just being uh, already in Bruce Arians' system for one year. I think that's a good thing when you're talking about such a bizarre path to the start of the season this year for rookies like Keyshawn Vaughn. And here's another thing that might surprise you. Uh, Ronald Jones is in his third year in the NFL, right? Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, a rookie. Keyshawn Vaughn is four months older than Ronald Jones. Keyshawn Vaughn uh, spent all four years of his eligibility in college. He also had a transfer, uh, so he sat out the 2017 season. His freshman year was in 2015. He spent his first two years of college at Illinois, the second two at Vanderbilt. So also, not exactly 
football powerhouses that he played at. I think that's another check mark in Ronald Jones' favor. So this is one where if I'm making the choice between the two at ADP, I'll take Jones over Vaughn, probably avoiding both of them, though, in general. Where are you really quick? If you're taking one or the other, which one are you taking? Jones, but unlike the situation that we talked about with the Rams, I might be, if I'm in 10 drafts and have a shot at both of them a few times, I might try to split it up evenly because I don't think there's that much of a gap between them talent-wise. All right, definitely not a bad move. And hey, investing in this Bucks offense, probably not going to be a bad move either this season. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are out there on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere like that, please rate, review, and subscribe. Obviously, we appreciate those subscriptions, but the ratings and the reviews are great too, so we'd appreciate it if you did that. And if you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get 40% off your first year if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.